0: are you in need of personal training after a couple of years of lockdowns are you an athlete ready to take that next step in your high performance career or are you in the market for an injury prevention prehab and rehab expert well piota health and performance has you covered about you for you with you piota health and performance is your melbourne-based personal training and high performance company servicing the western eastern and northern suburbs Piotr Health and Performance is NDIS registered, university degree qualified, and ready to take you on your journey to a better you. Contact Dan and the team to commence your health and performance journey with Piotr today. Go to their Instagram at underscore Piotr, that's at underscore P-I-O-D-A, or email them at trainme trainmeatpiotr.com.au, or you can call Dan on 0402 978 275. That's 0402 978 275. Theota Health and Performance, about you, for you, with you. It's the same conversation that I have with you two every single week. Have you done this? Nah. But
1: Joe's done a lot. What have you done, bloke? You run a, do, a, do a run sheet. They actually don't even. We don't even. We don't even look at it, bloke. I've asked. I've asked
0: for Mesut Ozil, and you know who I've gotten instead. I've got a hunger. I've got a hunger like Cristiano Ronaldo. That's what I've got. I've got Ronaldo.
1: You got Haaland just scoring goals for you. Just and you're complaining. Yeah. Let's What's just five touches. He's, mate, he has five touches, scores seven goals. Work it out.
0: everyone, to episode seventy-five of your most Blues Brothers podcast, brought to you by Pure Health and Performance, and part of the Blue Abroad podcast network. I'm Joe. I'm joined in the first half here just by Dan today. Dan, how are you, man? Good. Very good. You You look good. I feel good. Jules isn't with us. Uh, couldn't make it for the recording slot, but Jules does join myself in the second half of this episode for uh, a little interview that we did earlier in the week with Connor Rogers from the Goes Alright podcast with Caden McDonald, part of the producing team with, with Tilbucky. It was a good chat. Good chat. That's coming up in the second half here. You said one of the funniest chats, Joe. Very, very funny guy. Very funny guy. And uh, just to listen to, <laughs> listen out for... In the second half, just listen out for Jules. He's at his best. And this, isn't is, this is a quote in awe of content. <laughs> uh, it was a good chat. It was a good chat. But how are you, first and foremost? I'm good. Yeah. I think you off the top. need to know. Off the top. Where, where are you off going? Off the top. Going where you want me to go. Go. Okay. A few weeks back on Instagram. I'm I, glad you're doing this. You don't know where I'm going to go with it, though. On Instagram, a few weeks back, I put the call out for you to come to the driving range with me to play golf. You thought I was scared. You, you are one of my best mates. You know, I'm a good, I'm a, not a good golfer. I'm a keen golfer. I love golf. I'm obsessed with golf. Right. And I find out in May, June, that you've been getting lessons since Jan. It's about right. Since start of the year, Feb. Okay. Start of the year. Took four months, five months for you to bring it up, and I worked out pretty quickly that the reason you hadn't brought it up with me was because you were scared. Because completely got, not, because I'm just running a business. Because you've got and a podcast. Scott, you're not running a podcast. <laughs> you've got every other sport over me: tennis, footy, soccer. If we went if we went head to head in any of those, you've got me covered. Yes or no? And you were scared that I'd have one over you. Yes or no? Be honest. No. No. <laughs> so what are done. we? October now? October. Don't, and, do don't do this, Jay. And finally, you agreed to come to the driving range with me. Yes or no? Yes. Now, I'll say this off the top before I delve deeper. And don't, don't give me that finger-waving rubbish. Put no, no. I butt in? Go. Okay.
2: Did you... Taunt me on Instagram thinking I wasn't as good as what I was.
0: No, oh. I said I said that I would have you covered. That is a fact. Go back and have a look. And I'm not gonna take anything else for an answer. So we went to the driving range. We did some chipping. You actually asked me, hey, can you teach me a couple of things with the chipping, which was nice? You didn't listen, but you did <laughs> ask. <laughs> and then we got to the driving range. And I'll say one thing. I'll say one thing. Your ball striking is very consistent. But here we go. But you're not better than me. Yes. <laughs> no, you're not. Now, and 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 on that, until you come out and play 18 holes and beat me, I'll sit here and I'll say that you're not better, but you're consistent. To and all. and for that, well done.
2: <laughs> Thank you, Joe. <laughs> to all the listeners all I saw was five to six of Joe's drives spray and nearly hit the people next to us. Out of
0: oh, that, that is
2: no, that's that is true.
0: a fabrication. Yes or no? Hey, I'll give you one chance.
2: I can admit that I did take out the grass on <laughs> more than on one two occasion. occasions. three, three of the four hits. Yes. <laughs> It was a fun day. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> it was
0: good fun. And you are going to come and play 18 holes with me, and that will settle it. That will settle it. You've got this. this uh,
2: it's a it's, good striking action, isn't it? It's very. Uh, Clean.
0: Technical. Why are you laughing? Probably too technical. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm excited that we actually played, although we went to the driving range together, and I'm excited that you're now on board to actually play. I'm excited that you can
2: tell that I can play. You can hit a ball. Leave it at that. Let's talk about Carlton.
0: <laughs> Before we do, for all listeners, if you're still listening after that five minutes of just dribble, thanks for coming back. If you're, if you're an OG, if you're new, welcome to the show. Uh, if you haven't already, you can go follow us on Instagram at Almost Blues Brothers. You can follow us on Twitter at Almost Blues Bros. You can go to the link tree in either of those bios for your Almost Blues Brothers needs. And it would be greatly appreciated if you haven't done so already to hit that five stars and subscribe on whatever listening platform you're currently on. Now, bit of news that I haven't actually spoken to you about announcing this, but I will. Two things before we get into the show. And the show is basically going to consist of blues cues, and there's going to be a lot of delisted free agency talk in this first half before we get to Connor Rogers' interview. First bit of news. I don't know where this is going. First bit of news the audio quality and the equipment that we use is about to increase. We're taking this to another level, guys
2: <laughs> watch next year
0: now. And it will be next season because we've got this episode and next week's episode. And we're done for the year, unless we do a special draft episode to finish off in about four or five weeks time up in the air at this point. But we've heard ya. you've said the audio quality has been shit for 75 weeks. I know <laughs> we know. And it's about to get better. And there is a chance, and we're still discussing this, that we might be a video type setup next year. Yes?
2: You, you'll be seeing our faces a lot
0: more in some capacity. Let's say that. To some extent, you will next season. We don't know what it's going to look like yet, but it is going to come to you and we're going to have a mic each. We're going to have a good setup, And finally, we're actually, it's, ta- it's going to take us 76 episodes to get there. To but, get off Dodo. Yeah. We're going, to be, we're going to be on Telstra. We're going to have a better sounding podcast. Wi-Fi, so, everything. That's the first bit of news. Second bit of news off the top. I'm very excited for next week. Yeah. Dan, you've done some work.
2: And my man, Will Hayes, is coming on board. You'll be
0: listening to Will Hayes next week, guys. For the last episode of the year, uh, we are... Uh, we're teeing it up with him. He was, our, he was our player sponsor for this year. Obviously, unfortunately, he was delisted by the by the club. Great guy. Genuinely fantastic bloke guy. And he has agreed to – well, not agreed, but he's excited. He, he says he's excited to, to come into the pod to have a chat. So he's and going to be beer. on next week to finish off the show, and he might not be with us, yep, uh, to finish off the show for the season. So uh, we're trying to work out those details, but he will be here next week, and that will be it for the year. Now, Dan, without any further ado,
2: Let's get into it.
0: And straight away, are we
2: straight blues cues? We're going into it. Blues cues. Wow, bang! All
0: right, we've got a f- we've got a few. It's not it's not a hell of a lot, but we've got a few. We'll, we'll get through them. Um. The first one is from Instagram. It's from at Rick Palumbo. He asks, do we play with two starting wingers? I feel it would be Akers playing the running role like Cotters did and it would be O'Brien on the other wing. Would you would you run with those two and then have Cotters uh, off the pine or as, even as the super sub that he was this year, or would you run with Cotters and Akers? Because it's going to be Akers in one of the
2: Personally? Teams.
0: I would actually run with Cotter's.
2: For me, he's shown enough upside from last year. And I think that from what he's been, and he gives us work rate, mm-hmm. which is something that we need on that wing. Mm-hmm. And you know what, Joe? You can agree with this. His ball use was actually fantastic this year. That's something that oh, we've actually given him stick for. Well, we did in previous three, years. Three, four years ago, yeah.
0: It was it was one of his weaknesses, but he turned it into a genuine weapon this year. Yeah. Right,
2: yeah. So for me, I'd actually go, I, and I like Lob. I do because so I think I. his ball use is a weapon.
0: And with O'Brien, this is what I'm going to say actually. And not many people have spoken about this. We drafted O'Brien as a half back wing, right, right, to interchange, and we've turned him into a pure winger. I just for me, why? Re- what? Hold on, hold on. Why could we not play him intermittently or interchangeably off the half back and have someone like Doc? Or like when actually, yeah, Doc's a perfect example of when Doc is inevitably going to go into the midfield next year. You need some cover back there.
2: I just feel as though, and for me against Collingwood, it was evident again that the defensive side of his game is just not where it needs to be for the brand of football that we want to play. Can you agree? To an extent, no.
0: Well, to an extent, I just think we haven't really given Lob a chance at halfback to. Play just a running half. I've seen call. enough. On I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have him there for more than twenty or thirty percent of the game. But I feel, and and I definitely wouldn't expect any defensive um, uh, accountability from him whatsoever. You'd have to cover for that if Doc were to roll through. But I just think his left foot is too good to not, and his his running ability, his gut running ability, is too good not to play him off a half back at some point. And see if you can get some penetration. Through. Do we not?
2: Do we not still look at Chez or Walsh to play out there on a wing? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's what I'm saying, so if, I'm saying if, like why? Why are we only narrowing it down to because of the depth we have in the middle in particular? Why are we saying it has to be Lob or Cotters with Acres? Why can't we say that it's Chez and Acres?
0: Could be. I mean, why not? It, it, it could be, and it probably has to be at times because you can't play. You can't play Hewitt, Walsh, Cunningham, Kennedy, Fisher. Walsh, Kennedy, Hewitt, Cripps, have I Chera, all in there at the same time. It has to be combos, so they've got to play a multi-dimensional role at some point. It's fair. It's a good conversation, actually. It's going to be interesting to see how they roll. Obviously, Akers has one of those wing spots locked up. You don't bring in a player like him if, no. if he's not going to play there every week. At Colebanks44, he asks, top three blues you'd want to have a big night with? I don't mind that one. I'm going to say... Fisher.
2: Mm-hmm. I feel like he's got a bit of humor about him. Mm-hmm. So if you're at the bar, he'll just keep chewing your ear off. Mm-hmm. I don't mind that. Um, Charlie. It <laughs> had to be said. <laughs> and
0: I understand Cotter's because of his dance moves. Yeah, he just it. tear it apart on the dance floor. I don't mind that. I'm going to go, I'm going to take this as anyone that's been a blues player. So not just current oh, list. Oh, right. You've done the current list. Okay. I agree with that. Go. I actually agree with those three. I would go Charlie. Has to be there, regardless of whether it's current or past. Charlie's there. Um, our man, Will Hayes, just for the horse tips. So you have you, you go races Saturday. Oh, like you're talking venue now. I'm talking just like a night, night out. Make a day of it, yeah? Will Hayes on the beers. Tips bank a lot of cash, yeah, and then off you go after. So Charlie, Will, and it's gotta be sticks. <laughs> oh, it has to be, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Uh-huh. that's a good question. i didn't mind that question. All right, uh, this is from uh, MP on uh, on the Twitter. She asks, For the both of you, who is your tip for a 2023 breakout season? Considering we've had an injury list. A mile long, this can obviously include players that have been consistently injured for as long as we can remember, like Martin Williams, Gov, Marchbank, Cunners, etc. cetera. Breakout player. We had, who do we have this year? It was, it was basically Cotters, Fisher. Um, they were probably the top two in my mind. Then you got the likes of Durds and whatnot in yeah. their second years. But Cotters and Fisher were the two this year. For me, it's Cunners next year if he's fit. We know, and this is a bit of news that came out yesterday as well. He's, he's fit and firing. I think for the first time in the seven years that he's been on the list, or the second time, he's fit and firing and 100% ready to go for day one of preseason. Yeah. That's massive.
2: I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say Mott to really make an impact. 30 plus. Yeah. Like yeah. huge impact. And I want Marchbank. Yep. Yeah. I really do. If we can keep him fit, if we can keep him healthy, this guy here is going to just blow the whole competition. I'm telling you.
0: I think um,
2: I really, I really, really want to say I want us to be talking this time next year and going, oh my god!
0: Look at Caleb Marchbank. I'm not did. looking. I'm not looking for a breakout from Marchbank. I'm looking just for 22 games. Hmm. He plays 22 games next year, and I will be very, very happy. Yeah. That's all he's going to I do is stay in too. the park. He's got to stay on the park, and I think he can. I, I think he's. I think he's there.
2: Keeping our list healthy next year is going to be crucial. That's going to be. That's the biggest thing that. I think is going to dictate how we go. It is honestly because it killed no, us. Bloke, we, it killed we us. Said, how many
0: times we said this? If if we didn't have if we 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 were missing three of these four players in the last two weeks on in both in both weeks. Mm. Walsh, Chira, Hewitt, Kennedy. I'm sorry. We play finals if even one of those plays across both weeks. If, if Walsh plays against Collingwood in round 23, how do we not win that game? If Hewitt played against Melbourne, how do we not win that game? No brainer. We'll keep the list healthy. We're going to be right there. Don't yell at me. (laughs) All right. This is from Jad Jauhari, friend of the show. He says, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much of a trash club is Liverpool and why is it 10? I'm sorry. I I don't know. Every time this Anfield thing, right, and the decisions they get at Anfield. I I know this isn't footy. This is EPL. But – the decisions that they get at Anfield at home, it has to be looked at. This is Man United at Old Trafford. I was about to say, do you not remember
2: Fergie time? Oh, Fergie time at Old Trafford, it's
0: the same thing. It's just crazy. How can you call one incident to the VAR? How can you review one incident in VAR and the other you just – I'll tell you why. Manager,
2: Jurgen Klopp. It's Jurgen got it Klopp. It's just got he to puts pressure down. on him.
0: I'm telling you. Uh, from Tim W., I've seen this question floated around a little bit on Twitter. If you were to get one number on your jumper that represented the best Carlton men's and women's player combination, what would it be? So, EG, Veshio Motlop, three. Oh. You've got Velado Silvani, one, the Italian connection. Oh, yeah. Or the Skippers, and Peterson, no, number nine. Mm. Has to be. That's or number, number 10, Mackay, Hill. Any of those I'll take. That's not bad. <laughs> All right, and last one. This is from at Lockie McKinnon, who named this segment from memory. So thank you. Uh, any delisted free agents worth having a look at? Well, you and I Let's spoke about time. this, Let's didn't we? We spent some time on this here. Um, uh, you, you don't know. need to reel them off. Well, there was a list that was released today of, all, of basically all the significant free agents that, that that could be out there that might deserve a second chance. I'll read, off, I'll read off the ones that we're probably going to talk about and touch on. We've got Jake Arts from Richmond. You've got uh, you've got Daniel Howe from Hawthorne. Quentin Narkel from, uh, from Geelong. Tom Phillips from Hawthorne uh, as a wing option. I, I wouldn't mind talking about that. Sydney Stack from Richmond. Uh, probably the most talented raw, raw ability on the list. Patrick Nash from West Coast and Mitch Wallace from the Dogs. Jed Anderson? No, nah, wouldn't look at him. Don't need him. We don't need any more of that type. Collier Dawkins? Well, you tell me of, of the delisted free agents out there right now, whether it was any that we just named or any that I've missed, we've got seven spots on the list we've got to fill. We'll probably take four at the draft and say one or two rookies. So it leaves at least one spot that we're going to fill with a delisted free agent or that we're going to take in the preseason supplementary period next year. Right. So let's just assume there's one delisted free agent who that would has I take? to come onto this list. Of the ones that are available who you taken and why
2: I'm taking Daniel Howe
0: I don't know it's a weird pick for me of all the ones that are out I don't there, know I'm, I'm torn
2: I'm torn between him and Patrick Nash
0: all right we'll give you a case for both
2: I'm going to I'm going to lean more towards Patrick Nash personally good ball user can play wing he's quick yes yep did, I, saw, I saw enough of him Because he actually did get a lot of opportunity last year with, with, he, he, played he, a fair bit. he played a few He did yeah. And he could get enough of the pill I just thought his ball use is what We need Yes Off a wing Even though we have lob I don't think we need it I think it's
0: important but It's important for, for, it's important for our entries For depth, yes but I don't, I don't see Daniel Howe as a top twenty-five. Talk about Patrick Nash. I'm sorry, I, I still don't see Nash as a top. Well, sorry. actually, I will probably see Nash more so than Howe. Yeah, yeah. Right, the only I don't reason think why he walk into the side though on a wing. The only reason why is I say he better, Howell, is he better than O'Brien or Cottrell? Potentially. No, I don't think so.
2: You don't think so? No, I do. <laughs> maybe not Cotters, maybe not Cotters, but O'Brien, I do. Okay. The other, the reason why I say Daniel Howe is because he can play off half forward. And he can play on a wing. He got drafted as a winger. Yeah. He did. He's got experience. He's only 20. He's 27 years old. He can kick goals. He can play in the middle. He is he's actually a lot more, Is a lot more versatile, and we can use him in many a way than what you think.
0: Mm. I like Nash. I You're not Nash, convinced. No, I think Nash could work. I just think. Look, I just think. There's one player in this whole delisted list that sticks out. And if I told you you could get a
2: 27 year old, let's say experienced winger slash half forward that can kick goals, good ball user, you'd say no. I'd say yes. He does yes. kick goals. I'd
0: say yes, but that's that's not necessarily what you're going to get. He's delisted for a reason. He's not going to Daniel Howell's not going to come in and have a monstrous impact off the half forward line. Is he ahead of? Jack Martin, no. Is he ahead of? Is he, he, is he ahead of Zach Fisher? Is he ahead of Dirds? No. Is he ahead of? Oh, he's probably not. Is he ahead of Motlop? No. Where does he fit? He's not ahead of any of the wingers. For me, there's one player on the list. There's one player on the list, and it's purely high risk, high reward. Sydney Stack. Hmm. Sydney Stack. We lost Liam Stocker, which. As fans, we all describe him as that bloke that had a bit of mm. in him. Can't say the word, but everyone knows what I'm talking about. Sydney stacks that player with even more ability and talent. But I get it. I, I would understand the apprehension, off-field issues. Um, he couldn't break into the side, though, Joe. This come year on, man. I- it was Richmond. It's Richmond. They've got this stacked. No pun intended. But they are as deep as it gets, especially in the positions that he plays half back in that defensive half, where which is where he's been playing. He's been playing as a defensive halfback back, oh. pushing up, pushing up the ground. For me, you, uh, there's not many delisted free agents other than maybe a Jared Lyons that I can remember that have made a significant impact at a club. Most of them come in as those bottom enders that need to play a role if they're called upon. Oscar McDonald, like we've had a few. Yeah, yeah. Those types, right? Played a role. Played a role, but for whatever reason, either through fitness, injuries, or form, they could never keep their spot.
2: Yeah.
0: For me, I think we should treat this as a high-risk, high-reward scenario and an opportunity to take Sydney stack. Because guess what? He either works out or he doesn't. And if he works out... He's still young. you You could have something on your hands, man. He's still young guy was touted as a top 10 pick, mm. and I think at one stage he was in Walsh's draft crop, I believe. Someone correct me if I'm wrong, one of the listeners, but I'm, I believe he was in Walsh's draft crop, wasn't selected, then was taken as a rookie or in the preseason draft or something like that. And at one stage throughout that year in the under-18s, he was touted as not only a top 10 pick, but one of the better players in that draft crop. Mm. But the off-field issues and whatnot crept up. He slid. Club's got worried. It is what it is. We've seen at AFL level across 30-odd games, whatever it is, what he's capable of when he's at his best. And he's exciting, yeah? Hits the ball hard, hits the contest hard, and he's. I think he's the exact type of player we need if he works out. If he doesn't, cost costs you nothing. Cost costs you nothing. But I'd rather do that than go with a safe option that doesn't play just because you need him as backup. Get someone that could genuinely, like, break – into the side. And he could for me. nation's is Nash for me is the same. Not how. Right. Nash is the same for me. I think I think if we took Patrick Nash it'd be a smart, smart pick.
2: Mm, I think he's that's who we go for.
0: All right. what's well, it for me and you. We're well, over to Jules. Over to from my, the chopper. Yeah, myself and James <laughs> from the Chopper. Uh yeah we're, we're we're gonna jump into the second half of the episode here like i said off the top jules and i uh had a, had the pleasure of chatting with Connor rogers from goes all right the spotify exclusive and producey podcast still buckley's um podcast network um on uh yeah with with caden and it was a fantastic chat hope you enjoy it here it is Okay, so as we uh, as we said at the top of the show, got uh, another guest today and uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure to have him on. We've been trying to get him on for a little while now and he's, along with Cade McDonald, they've blown up this year uh, in the podcast space especially and uh, in the social space. But it's a, an absolute pleasure to have another blue bagger on board today. Connor Rogers, welcome to the show, mate. Mate, so excited to be on! This is the first um,
3: sort of Carlton podcast I've done, and it's such a tough balance when I'm doing goes all right. I want to go full Carlton nothing mode, but I don't want to be that guy where all the fans are there commenting, going, "Don't talk about someone else. We're sick of hearing you talk about Carlton." So I'm glad I can embrace the nothing.
0: That's it. Today's your day, mate. Just let's go full enough. You can, you'll be you'll be pretty much on par with where we're where we're at. We uh, <laughs> if you listen to the show. There's some shit that comes out of our mouth, mate, that you just absolutely piss yourself at. That's some of the some of the dumb stuff, <laughs> it, but uh, no, it's like I said, it's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, obviously, myself and Jules here. Dan is absent. He's busy as usual, isn't isn't that right, Jules?
1: Yeah, yeah he's been a bit um what MIA for the last week or so, hasn't, hasn't he? he? Yeah, he's sort of dished us, hasn't he? He's hasn't been putting much effort. What do you reckon? Uh,
0: it,
1: it, just for context,
0: Connor, the Dan Dan went overseas for uh five weeks recently yeah. and we didn't know where he was we just we couldn't contact <laughs> him <laughs> until he landed back in Australia so he disappears sometimes it's fine he'll be back at some stage but uh, do you reckon um, when
3: someone goes disappearing like that it's one of two options usually as he moved on to greener pastures and left years behind or is he off the rails and he needs you to folks to pull him back into life no
1: nah, it's definitely the latter <laughs> yeah I would have thought no, it's definitely the latter mate if there's if there's greener
0: pastures out here that wanted to take Dan on, I'd be questioning those greener pastures. I thought it that
1: way. <laughs> <laughs>
3: we've, we've been um, taking auditions to see who's the third wheel on goes all right. And I think he popped his head in. So oh there you go. Geez, don't <laughs> tell me that he jumped in pretty
0: quickly. Speaking of speaking of goes all right, we might just start. Uh, we might start there because you've had a big year. Um obviously signed up. I think you've done 25, 26 episodes now with uh the Spotify exclusive with Caden um it's a fantastic show you get fantastic guests on week in week out obviously part of the producey family as well what's that been like mate how first off how, how did it all sort of uh, come about I guess for you
3: well um it's a long story how it came about but essentially um Spotify got onto Dylan Buckley and said mate you know we want to hit another podcast in your sort of demographic being you know 20-ish to 30-ish year old blokes who want not listen to podcasts usually want to get into sport and um, Dill found Caden. I'm not sure. I think Tom Mitchell might have had something to do with it because we'll, we did a couple of videos for his ball magnets app, and Tom and um, Dill are good mates. Anyway, Dill stumbled across Caden's work, and it was meant to just be Caden um, hosting the podcast solo. Um, but we've come to find that, as you blokes probably know, bouncing off each other and having a bit of uh, bit of banter works a bit better than going solo. So I've come along for the ride, and uh, mate, it's been absolutely sensational. Um, Sort of surreal, really. You know, at the start of last year, I signed up to uh, a Bachelor of Media at uni and one of the classes I was doing was called podcasting. And by the time we got to, to sort of the fourth week of podcast of the podcasting class, we'd already gone top 10 on the sports charts. And I sort of walked in and said, sit down, t- I'll, take, I'll take the class today, TJ, I've got, I'll have got take this one from here. But no, it's been surreal. Some really fun guests, as you said, and um, we're only starting to now feel like we've really hit our groove and really excited for season two next year.
1: It's good. Yeah, it's good. it's good. I think um I don't know, even with us, like it's sort of taken a while. Like, obviously we're nowhere near in terms of, of the exposure that you get. Like we're in a like such like I'm in, like not in all of it like I sort of am to be honest with you. Like it's lost for words, but um just in terms of like what you've been able to do um with Caden, um, but what would you say has been Probably the most funnest episode in terms of like person that you've got on, or just like the um, the content that you're speaking about.
3: Well, I think the one that definitely sticks out is the one that um, got the most traction, and that's Jack Ginnivan. Um mainly because you know we started getting on to Jack before he was Jack Inevan. You know, before he was just about yeah. to be a thing in football. And um, he was like, "Yeah, he was going to come on," but then that's when um, all the stuff blew up with the GoPro stuff, and then it just steamrolled from there. And then he went into turn into this juggernaut. But I think he came on, especially because we got onto him before he was this big thing. And it was at a time when he wasn't doing much media; he wasn't um, wasn't really getting his face out there um, in in a podcast sort of sense or on radio or whatever. So he came on, and it was the first time people really heard an authentic Jack Ginnivan, and that wasn't on the footy field, and it really blew up. Matt Gun jumped on the news and all that sort of stuff. So that was probably the one that sticks out. Other than that, I'd say I really enjoyed for a left field one, Mitch Cleary, just because no one would expect a journo, um to be to to be such a ripper to chat to, but he was a lot of fun.
0: Well, it, it's it's true. I remember Dill Buckley on his podcast. He interviewed Sam McClure a while back, I think it was, and that was that's one of my uh, when I've, I've listened to a few of Dill's episodes, but that's one of the ones that stands out to me because, to your point, you wouldn't expect on a sports podcast that a sports journal would be one of the most interesting, but some of the. Some of the insight in terms of breaking stories and things that they hold back and and how they source their information and you know how line ball it is sometimes between publishing a story and not. Like that was um, that was not something that I thought I'd enjoy listening to. But to your point, um, yeah, it's it's a very, very interesting world that.
3: Yeah, I think that they could make some sort of a Netflix or Amazon special on the life of a journey because the fierce competition to be the first one to a story and then having the confidence in the story to break it. Um, it was so so interesting, but um, we've had Zach, Zachy Fish and Jesse Motlop on, so obviously having a couple of blue baggers on was um, was really good, and um, towards the back end of the year for ball magnets, we were lucky enough to uh, do some content with Paddy Cripps on Brownlow Night, which was probably the most surreal bit of content I've done, and still pinching myself now that Bloody before crippa goes out and wins a brown though, we're in a hotel room with him um at Crown, just chatting, chatting footy and his chances. So no, that was um that's something now where I still can't believe it really happened.
0: Unbelievable. It's it's just crazy some of the stuff that you guys have done this year. It's uh, it's good to see. It's good to see. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry, mate.
3: Well, with Patty, um with Paddy Cripps, I just wanna uh, we'll probably get into the cracks of all this stuff later, but um, like he is just the greatest bloke. Greatest bloke of all time. A, a couple um a couple nights after the Brown low, um, they had a dinner. Um it, I think their manager, Patty Cripps' manager organized a bit of a celebration for the for the dinner. And um it was all of the gun players that this bloke manages. So it was Paddy Cripps, Tom Mitchell, Lockie Neal, Mer- Mark Murphy rocked up, Dylan Buckley was there, Toby Green. And we weren't meant to be there, Caden and I, but Tom thought hey, how good is this of an opportunity? We're going to have three Brownlow medalists in the same room, Connor and Caden, get down. And I don't think he told anyone. So we just rolled in in our casual kits and they're all in suits and whatnot. So we we didn't realise everyone else was going to be there. We thought it was just Cripper, Lucky Neil and Tommy Mitchell for a dinner. So we go straight to the bar and um because we don't feel like there's real fancy meals came out there in their suits. so we think we'll hang around at the bar and whenever they're ready to shoot the content tom can call us over but we're standing at the bar having a drink and crippers one he goes lads what are you doing over there come sit down have as much food as you want so we sat down and chatting to cripper about his brown though it's how you know, he is um is everything you see in the brown low speech and what you hear him say the best and fairest and whatnot he's absolutely that, that genuine
1: yeah, you can, you can tell, I feel. Like, and obviously that's the way he's captain. You can just say he's such a, like, people's person and he sort of, like, gets around everyone, like, especially in the room, no matter, like, what level of, you know, um, I guess what a level of, like, of a player or what level of a person you are in terms of, like, the, you know, the professional field. But um, I feel like as if um, he's that genuine, that he's probably one of the better blokes that you've probably met.
3: What well, he is, yeah, 100%. And yeah, yeah I, like how good was his speech at Best and Ferris night? Like when he yeah. and, and the Brownlow as well. But Best and Ferris, when he just went through everyone at the club from the physios to the chefs or whatever else it was, you just there going, you know, with him with him leading the club, there is absolutely no way we don't find success, surely.
0: Oh mate, like you said, especially I mean Brownlow night's the that still sticks out to me just because you don't really you don't get to hear uh, a player like Crippa speak uh, on a lot of personal matters that sort of came up. Uh, in in forums outside of maybe winning an award like that, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think as Carlton supporters, we've always sort of. Known or felt that he's a genuine bloke, but to see it the way that it, that it came across was, yeah, to your point, as a, as a Carlton supporter, you sat there and went, I'm absolutely content that this bloke's going to be leading the club for the next better part of the next six, seven, eight years, whatever it may be.
3: Yeah, I don't think there are many, too many blokes out there where you'll have a Collingwood supporter or wh- whoever it may be really appreciating him and, and really appreciating for the person he is. So that, that goes a long
0: way, I think. Unreal. Yeah. On Carlton, well, uh, we'll because we'll, you did say that you're a Carlton enough like the rest of us, so we'll get there, and uh, and we'll get there now. So, <laughs> in terms of in terms of your Carlton journey, so I mean, Jules and I have spoken extensively about where we've come from, and Dan, as well in terms of our journeys, and we're pretty much brainwashed into following this club, uh, unfortunately. How how did you come about supporting the Blues? How long have have been a, a, a blue bluebagger for, and uh, and yeah, where did it all start? Been a blue bagger forever because my dad brainwashed me as
3: well. And, um, you know, my old man, he always talks about, and he's very apologetic how he saw whatever it was, eight premierships, 10 premierships in his lifetime, something stupid like that. And he apologized to me every day, for, or every time we go to the footy when we're at our worst. And one memory sticks out in particular, which is um would have been like 10 years ago, whatever it was, when we first drafted Murphy, Gibbs, and Cruiser, longer, even 15 years. Um, and we were sitting at the footy, and once again, we are getting creamed by 50, 60 points at halftime. And I, he loves telling this story because I turned to him at halftime and I said, Dad, do you want to leave early? you want to beat the traffic? And he goes, um, no, nah, mate, we stick it out because in 10 years' time, we'll be the one winning premierships. Fast forward 10 years, and we won another wooden spoon. And he goes, I'm so sorry, son. I'm so sorry that I lied to you. It is the biggest credit to us as supporters that we've managed to stick through. But I think finally we're going to start reaping
1: the rewards. Yeah, no, nah, for sure. For sure. I feel like as if um, particularly this year with, you know, um, more so obviously in the, the committee and things like that, in terms of who we've hired um, in, um, in the back, we've sort of um, got a bit of more of um, like stru- structure um, in the club. Um, but how do you see just the past year just going? Um, in terms of how it went were you sort of happy with the way it ended up or obviously did you sort of re um think about you know obviously from the halfway point in terms of how we went and then sort of do you have to like you know rethink what you were sort of hoping the how the the season would have ended um i you
3: know i hate making excuses and whatnot but um with our injury pile up you know i start i, w- I was able to rationalize how our second half of the season was so different to our first So, um, obviously it was extremely disappointing. I was at both the Melbourne and the Collingwood games. Um, but, and to give you an idea of how disappointed I was, mate, I've been a vego for three years, right? You haven't, haven't cheated once. I left that game, went to public house, had a few beers, and then walking home to the train station, I went past Lamps of Lucky and had a Lamps of Lucky for the first time in three years, thinking (laughs) it'd make me feel better. It didn't. It made me feel worse. It tasted like ninth place, place on the ladder. Um, But no, we – look, I was still optimistic about our our direction, even after those two really disappointing games. But if there there was any confusion or any uncertainty in my mind, hearing the way Harry Mackay spoke on the Dill and Friends podcast – solidified my opinion that we are on the right track and that we are on our way to a premiership. Like you said, having the right people in the right spots and having this culture change, it doesn't surprise me that we didn't make top four in Vossi's first season, but we are 100% heading in the right direction.
0: Yeah, it's funny. It's it's funny you say that because you just spoke about how, you know, well, not 10 years ago now, but what, what is it, 17 years since Murphy's been drafted, I think, oh, 05, right? So That's 17 cool. years ago, I think there were a lot of people that sort of said the same thing, like, you know, there's – this is it like we're going to see we're going to see success in the next 10 years and and they're pretty certain of it at the time and then we're sort of sitting here now going oh, I, and and even though knowing that and knowing the past and knowing how much we've been hurt by saying it i feel like uh, at this point like, I, I don't feel like we can get hurt. I feel like it's there. Yeah. And if it doesn't happen, it'll just never happen now. Like, it, it with, with two common medalists, a Brownlow medalist, you got Sam Walsh who might, might win a Brownlow himself. It's rarely do you have a team like this that does not reach the pointy end at some stage. This this side is,
3: um, you know, it's better than a lot of premiership winning teams out there, you know, that have won before. Um, so I never, I I certainly didn't doubt the quality of the team um, at the end of the season, but I did think, have we just got such a losing culture that it's inevitable? Like it's just in our DNA, the the um the resonating from the last 15, 20 years is just coursing through our veins, and no matter how hard we try, we won't get there. But hearing, hearing, I don't, have you boys listened to Harry Mackay's interview on Dylan? Yeah, Prince? yeah,
4: yeah. But obviously, a lot's changed since. Um, You've been at the club in my mm-hmm. seven years. I think, as I mentioned before, we've had three coaches, a lot of different guys in roles. But um, I think the main thing that's changed is probably probably the environment and culture. Um, it's not like there was never great blokes at the footy club. I reckon we always had really good mm-hmm. people. But I think the ability for everyone to get the best out of themselves and celebrate that now. So I reckon when I was first at the club, it was nearly – yeah, it was nearly – not cool to enjoy footy. And yeah, I remember you do stuff in my first year as well. Like I was always big on just doing extra touch and stuff. And you'd nearly like, people would take the piss nearly cause you were trying to do something a bit abnormal and get the best out of yourself. But now it's like really celebrated pros are kind of cool. It's cool to be a professional. Um, so that's, yeah, taken some big leaps over the last couple of years and it'll only get better. But yeah, in my opinion, that's probably the number one thing from like a culture environment point of view. Hearing the way it, I couldn't fathom, I didn't think this would be possible at
3: AFL, that we could have such a shit culture to the point where it was uncool to work hard and, and do extras and do all the touch mm. work. And that. And it made me think, I was there going, like, I don't know who's, Mackay said he doesn't fall on one person's shoulders, but I think about a Chris Chard and a Kate Simpson and people I hold so regard uh, held in such a high regard, and Murph and those sort of blokes. And I'm thinking, how could you let that culture happen, you know? Mm. But um, like I said, never had a question over our talent. It is a premiership-worthy list. So now that I'm confident that we have got the culture and, you yeah, know, look at Geelong's success now and that's all on the, the sustained success. It's all on the back of Brian Cook um, and what he implemented. And we've got that, man. We've got it all sorted. They love Vossy, So I, I just – I really have faith that we'll make the top four next season, actually.
0: Yeah, it's, I... it, it's going to take time, but to your point, like it's going to take time for sustained success. Sorry, to the point that Geelong and Sydney, and we've spoken about this the last couple of weeks as well, but you've got clubs like that that have built this over a period of 10, 15, 20 years. Everyone forgets the the basket case that Geelong were before Bomber Thompson won their first flag in 07. Everyone forgets that Sydney had a bit of a lull, you know, in between the late 90s to, to 05. It doesn't get built overnight, but um, it does start by you know, to your point with the Harry McCoy interview, identifying where your weaknesses are as a club. Um And the biggest weakness that I never thought, like you said, that I'd hear uh, out of a Carlton player's mouth was that it was uncool to work hard or to be a footy head or, or what have you. Like, it's your job. It's, it's it's your career. How I don't know how these players could have walked in every day and almost hated doing what they did because it just didn't feel – Cool. Like, it's just it, unfathomable. Unfathomable.
3: Hearing that was equally as frustrating as it was sort of, you know, as much as it did fill me with hope and um, confidence. Like you said, um, you know, when we were losing all of those games by 100 points, yeah, I, I not for a second did I think it'd be a culture things in terms of not trying hard. I thought it might be a confidence thing. We didn't think we could win. Never for a second did I think that it could be that bad culture-wise. But we are finally on the right path. And like Mackay said in the interview, all the young kids coming in now will look and see the guns, the all Australians, Brownlow winners, doing the extra touch. That'll make them do it. And hopefully we can have the sustained success that um, some other clubs have.
1: Yeah, for sure. I feel like as if now, like you said, um, Connor, we have so much talent on our list and, you know, compared to, you know, previous seasons um, over the last five, even five, ten years in terms of actual premiers- premiership lists, um, we have the top talent. We feel like as if it's there. I think the majority of the people do. Um, but we, but yet we still finish ninth, okay? Yeah. I think it was, what was what, 0.6% or something like that. And I think, I've, I think Voss did allude to it that, you know, we don't want 0.6% next year. We want, you know, another three, four wins, you know, to sort of solidify ourselves in there in times in time, in, into the eight. Um, where do you see our growth coming from, though? So, obviously, we, we did sign acres. Um, I think that's a given, um, considering the other wingmen that we do have on our list. Um, where's the other growth areas, though? And I'm talking player-wise, um, especially.
3: Yeah, um, so I think the growth will mainly come from, I'll get to the players shortly, but I think the growth will mainly come from, I don't even think belief is the right word. I think it's just like, you know, knowing the fact that we are good enough heading into how many times we've been heading into round one against Richmond and I'm waiting for us to lose. Like I know, and it feels like the players know it as well. And as soon as Richmond kicked two or three goals, it's like, all right, game over, you know? Um, But now the players know, like for a fact, we are good enough to compete with the best teams and, they are filled with confidence. You could hear it in the Makai interview and the way Cripper speaks. So I think the growth will come from this year um, having that um, affirmation that we are good enough and now we'll have that belief. And if a team kicks three, four goals against us, we'll know that we can claw it back. So I think that'll be, that'll be the biggest driver, um, the belief in themselves. But from a player point of view, I think it'll be the forgotten man. Um, it, I'm so excited to see David Cunningham come back. Um, Rolls-Royce, Pace, which I think we have lacked at times. Skillful. And not just David Cunningham. It's mainly going to come from just staying injury-free, if we can. I will, the amount of money I'd pay to keep us in the bottom half of the injury ladder next year, I'd I'd give anything. Um, and I think the growth will just come from our best 22 or as close to possible spending as much time as on the park as we can. And players like David Cunningham and Caleb Marshbank that are gone first-round draft picks, being out for so long, just hopefully keeping their body together and staying out on the park.
0: On Cunners as well, it was. Uh, I think it was reported today that he's pretty much going to be ready to go for day one of preseason. So it's uh, it's good to hear from a, a Carlton perspective that Cunners is going to have a good crack at a full preseason. I think for the first time in his career at Carlton, that will be from memory. I don't think he's gone into a preseason healthy, which is incredible considering he's been in the system as as long as someone like a Jacob Weidring or a, or. A harry mckay or zach fisher or you know it's just it's crazy
3: he only played one game in the midfield like if one game where it was majority uh percentage of time in the midfield it was against Essendon and he got three votes now yeah. i'm not sure if he'll be able to break into this um midfield if dow and centerfield and these blokes weren't able to crack in with the amount of injuries we have it might be hard for him but like you know i think it's no secret that our wings have been a bit of a a weakness uh, or probably the one place where it's not not as strong as the rest of the field. So he can probably find a spot on the wing. And if we have Cunningham and Akers on the wing, I think with Cottrell and O'Brien rolling their way through at different points, I think that's pretty strong.
0: And and I think to your point, like he's not, he's actually not the same player as a Cedarfield or a Dow to break into that inside mid group. You still need to throw. And we saw it against the Pies and against Melbourne when we were injury depleted uh, with Hewitt, Walsh, Chera, um, and Kennedy all out at various stages, which is just crazy to think about now. Um but you need you need players that you can roll through at center bounces like a Doc, like a Fisher, um even like a Jack Martin. And if David Cunningham can stay fit, he gives you that burst that we've been sorely lacking throughout the year that can just mate the way
3: the, the way Sam Docherty played in the last couple of games in the midfield, I'd love to you know get creative, throw him in the guts and put David Cunningham a running half make him a running halfback on a halfback flank. That'd be, I mean, that is just bloody
0: hell that'd be um that'd be sensational i just hope the coaching i just hope the coaching group saw that as well like you know we ran with the same plan a strategy for the majority of the year i felt especially in that midfield group And, and it took a mountain of injuries for them to try something different and it pretty much as injury depleted as we were i think we still should have been playing finals to be fair um and it was all down to those those coaching moves so i'm hoping they see that for what it is and even when we're at our fittest that they still roll the dice every now and then just to keep the opposition on their toes because we got found out after the first five rounds, six rounds. It was it was blatantly obvious that we got found out and was just the same plan A each time with the inside midfield group that we had.
3: And I think it's um it'll be vital for player management as well. The way Cripps, Kennedy, and Hewitt play their footy, bash and crash and just um, sort of soldiers out there, if you don't rotate other players through them like a Cunningham or a Doherty or whoever may be, they're just going to, what happened, you know, they're just going to burn out and get injured. It's inevitable that they will get injured. So I think it, you see it a lot in other codes like the Premier League and whatnot. I think it's important to roll other players through just to just to keep the list healthy.
0: Yeah, you just mentioned sure. Premier League. Are you you're a Premier League fan?
3: Massive Premier League fan. I'm a Crystal Palace man through and through. Flew to, yeah, flew over to South London before COVID. The year before COVID, watched them live at Sellers Park. So yeah, I don't miss a game. I'm up at midnight, two AM every night. Mila Yedinak, captain of Australia, was the reason why I started supporting him when I was in early high school. But yeah, they um, I do love the Eagles.
1: Fair enough, far out. I, I, okay, no, because yeah. like I think I've got a mate that follows like Fulham or something like that as well, and I'm just like, why? But um, you know, I feel like as if yeah, I got I got we go for Arsenal. Um, yeah, both goes yeah. For, for, for Chelsea. And, yeah, a but obviously club. if you have, like, another connection, then that's great. So, yeah, and,
0: uh, so did you did you get across to the Crystal Palace game this year when they came out to Australia or no? I did, oh, that yeah. That was the first game of any
3: sport ever I've gone to a game solo because it was sold oh. out or something. I could only get a single ticket. I forgot the tickets for sale, So I went and sat by myself. And it was unreal, mate. It was so much fun. But to be honest, once compared that, So when I went to Selhurst Park, which is an old fashioned stadium, it's like if people still played games now at Icon Park or Victoria Park or whatever it is. So I went to see there and I got embraced like word spread like wildfire that I was an Aussie and that I was a Crystal Palace supporter there by myself. People I vividly remember people walking down the aisles and going, we need to ask you one question why the hell did you choose to support us? You know what I mean? Um, but it was sensational, man. I had so much fun. And uh, no, absolutely absolutely love me Premier League.
0: What What do you think of their season this year so far? Nah, no, not what I expected.
3: I don't like, we had a big, without going too much into it, last year was a big, we got a new manager. We got all these young, exciting players in. And it, I, it was like that was going to be the stepping stone to, this year, making a charge into the top half of the table. But we've, um, we haven't we have quite done that. We're still, you know, well above the relegation zone. So for Crystal Palace, when we joined the Premier League 10 years ago, um, if you, you had to told people, we'd still be there 10 years later. There's, we're the, the most relegated and promoted team in Premier League history. So for a 10-year stretch and to be well above the relegation zone, I can't complain too much.
1: There you go. Who'd you catch, by the way? So Crystal Palace versus?
3: Uh, versus Brighton and Aaron Moy was playing. Um, which was pretty cool to see him out there. And We won um 2-0. No, sorry, not Brighton oh, Huddersfield. Um, no, yeah. And um we won uh, we won 2-0, which was which was awesome.
0: We we joke that um Jules and I being Arsenal supporters and uh, seeing what we've had, or see through what we've had to see through since on left, that we uh, we don't mind some punishment uh, as a sports fan being an Arsenal Carlton supporter, but Crystal Palace Blues, I think, tops that, mate. Mate, the amount of times I'll go to an
3: MCG night game and I'd get belted, then I'd come home, stay up till 1am, and watch Crystal Palace get absolutely crazy. And I'm there going, why do I do this to myself? It's painful. But we
0: are going to reap the rewards, I promise you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Favourite sort of memories? Of, I know you spoke earlier in the show um, about, and just while we're on this, you off the top, you said that you were brainwashed. I reckon we need to start a list, Jules, of all the guests that have got on that have said the exact same thing that Connor, yourself, myself, Dan have all said is that we were genuinely forced to follow this club when we were kids. You just don't get to choose with Carlton. It's 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 ridiculous. Yeah. But um, you touched on obviously being brainwashed into it and seeing a lot of uh, a lot of the same shit that we've all seen. Um, what are you? Uh, what sort of stands out as, as a memory, and I'll probably frame it in this way, that sort of kept you on board because there's been a lot of times that even myself, like I've been so close to throwing it in, just GWS 105-point loss to 16 players on the field. That that one there was almost almost the one that broke the camel's back. But yeah. what, what are the memories that have kept you around?
3: Um, well, I mean, I think the, the thing that early days came in, you know, as a kid, you don't, you wouldn't blame a kid at all when they're sitting there. You bring them to every game and you're bailed by 100 points. And they um and you just keep on uh watching them lose you wouldn't blame that kid for giving it up then but I think what kept me going at that point was um obviously my old man got me into the sport and I'd be at his place every second weekend and it was pretty much like the biggest thing that kept us you know kept us mates and bonding like we just that's what we bonded over and still to this day all we talk about is Carlton so just having that connection with me old man was was pretty special and a big reason why I stayed on board but from a an on-field perspective um I mean the 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 memory that I think sticks out in everyone's head is um Richmond beating Richmond in the elimination final I was there um it's sad that that's an elimination final is sort of what what we hang our hat on um but yeah that was the best moment and one one moment was special moment with a player. Eddie Betts was my favourite player from his from his first game. I got number nineteen on my back. I went to um, I went to Science Works and he was doing an autograph signing and he was a great bloke. Met him there. And then when I was a kid, I wrote him out this um, this personalised card just on an A4 bit of paper. Wrote it there uh, for him and signed signing autographs out on the field. I gave it to him. And he kept it in between his legs while he was like to kick in, and then started the session. And he kept it. I was watching him. He kept it for so long until like I don't know, maybe twenty minutes would have gone by, and he called a trainer over and gave her the card and said, you know, put this in the locker room or whatever it was. So, um, I mean, having Eddie Best on my number on my back and watching him do that, you know, that um, was enough to keep me hanging around.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, with the uh, yeah, yeah, with their success though, you obviously with us, this probably is the elimination final um against richmond that's probably been our um the one that we sort of you know hang our hats on um where to next year though where do you where do you reckon we're going to finish how are we going to go no i really
0: go go out on a limb here get your full carlton nuffy hat on and give us a genuine prediction on wins and when we're going to finish flag no flag i don't care go full on
3: no i'm so so confident we make the top four next year like With our list, I don't see a world where we're not in the top eight and I'm just certain we're good enough to be in the top four. And I think, um, you know, you talk about what kept me going as a Carlton supporter. Those, you know, whether it be Carlton Eston or Carlton Collingwood and you're there and hear the Carlton faithful and it is, you know, the rules, you know, as big if not bigger than any other in the league. Um, The way the, the supporters got around the club this year, I think that energy and, you know, Every all Carlton supporters have been through the same thing we have. They've seen the pain. So the the roar, it comes from such an emotional place. It's not just watching the team win, it's like a symbol of the, the last 15-20 years, however long it's been. And everyone feels that like I honestly, I don't know if it's just me and I don't know if you like feel it too. But in a big moment when we kick a goal, it I, I honestly feel like I feel that I feel the pain of the 15-20 years coming out. It's like finally. Um, yeah, so I think um we do finish in the top four. I think um Cripper probably goes back to back in the brown though. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, no, we made top four. I don't I'm not prepared to say premierships yet. I I actually think Melbourne um, bounce back and I don't think anyone will be able to stop Gordon Grundy. Um I think that they uh, they win a flag for second in three years, I should say. Uh, but mate, I think we'll be right there in the prelim yeah, right up to our Melbourne. next you know?
0: Melbourne are genuinely scary. And you're right. The, the the moment, especially for me, and I just got goosebumps as you were saying it because it took me right back to that moment, was genuinely round one this year. And it's yeah. when we were down in that last quarter, Zach Fisher kicks that goal. I don't think I've ever felt, and we've spoken about this on the podcast so many times now, but I don't think – I can replicate the feeling that I felt in that moment and that we all felt like it was like, we knew that it was, it was going to change and something was going to be different. And yeah. it's scary to think how loud the place is going to be and how much energy there's going to be in the place. If, when, or whatever you want to say, we do actually get there. And when we get to the big time and it's like, I remember when Richmond were coming up in 2017, the raw from the G in their prelim final was, was ridiculous. I, uh, we can top that like they've seen pain we've seen so much more like we've seen so much more
3: 100% mate you know t- I'll t- I'll try and tell this story as-, as quickly as I can but when um I- when I first started playing footy for the Banuel Footy Club in like under 11s we lost every game by 100 points two years in a row and everyone left the left the team I rocked up to training in the on the third year and there were only five people there after a couple of weeks the club said if you don't um, get a full team together by next fortnight we're going to have to abandon the team and you're going to have to find different places to play and i wrote a letter into sam's mailbag on the footy show Uh didn't tell in my parents for anyone asking him to get everyone back to the club he gave us all personalized boots they got me on the panel sit next to jack rewald jonathan brown mark murphy a couple of weeks in a row getting everyone back and they all came back um had a couple of women in the team, girls in the team, I should say. And this is before the big growth and respect of women's footies. So I was getting bullied at school for bottom division. Two girls in the team, belted by a hundred points every week. And with the same team, we went from not winning a game in two years to winning the premiership. Um, and that that set me up for my career as a card supporter. That that how much sweeter that premiership was, and I've won a premiership since, but how much sweeter that premiership was for all the pain we went through and coming back from the brink. I just know that Carlton are going to do the exact same thing and we'll be embracing it at a pub afterwards. And we'll the premiership will be that much sweeter than the one Geelong or anyone else has just won because it'll be on the back of 20 years of torture.
0: Mate, the scenes on Ligon Street after it happens are gonna be something that no one has ever seen. I can promise you. Connor, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate, to have you on. Uh, we really appreciate the time if you are a listener of this podcast and you're not listening to Goes Alright, I don't know, I don't think, there won't be, there's no chance (laughs) if there is, make sure you go check it out Connor Rogers, Cater McDonald, on Spotify uh, as part of the producing group it is a fantastic podcast, it's been a pleasure to have you on mate and uh, anytime, we'll have you back anytime. Mate, I can't wait to round one catch at uh, the London Tavern Hotel beforehand
3: and uh, we'll, we'll talk about the year to come.